1: I'm very excited to introduce to you Rhee Noragard, who is the Managing Creative Director and host of Designing for Humanity. She has been doing some really exciting stuff, and I look forward to sharing it with you today. Welcome, Rhee. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So can you tell us a little bit about what SY Partners does and, and your podcast, Designing for Humanity, and sort of what's the goals there?
2: Yeah, so SY Partners is a management consultancy uh, that works more like a design studio, perhaps, in terms of process or group or of, of uh, strategic thinkers and creative people who uh, use design and creative problem solving to help leaders and organizations bring about transformation. So that you could look at it either way.
1: Yeah, as, as we all know, and, and people who have been listening to this podcast understand that this is a huge issue these days. And it's important to really bring it to the forefront and bring it to leadership and organizations to make it a key topic of conversation in uh, in their strategic thinking.
2: How did you get involved in this space? In the space of design or thinking about how how design or how creative problem solving and creative approach to life might affect how we have a conversation about leadership. If, is that what you're
1: Well, a little bit of both. Sort of, you know. A little bit of both? Yeah. yeah so so you, where's your story? Trained, <laughs> yeah.
2: What's my story? So I'm I'm myself trained as a designer and I went to school. I'm from Copenhagen, Denmark, and I also went to school there. And to me, the meaning of that is much more about how I view the role of design Then it has to do with blonde wood, or you know, a particular kind of design style that that I like. Although it probably has something to do with it too. So, Scandinavia and and Denmark, I think, is known for and has a really strong culture of design, and it means something in the private sphere—the object that we surround ourselves with as humans in our homes—but it also means a lot in the public sphere. So designing solutions for public spaces and for public good is something that's held in really high regard and and to me that is the probably the the most important meaning of being from a Scandinavian country being from Denmark for myself when it, it comes to design and i've taken that with me in my practice and how i've approached my work through the years and so my work currently being able to to work with Design as a strategic practice and as a way to look and develop leadership uh, is an extension of that, I believe.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and I agree with you entirely. The Scandinavian influence, as most of my listeners know, I spent many years living in Sweden and married a Swede, mm. became part of. You know, actually thought I would be staying there, so I became a Swedish oh, citizen, really? and yeah. we recently moved back to the states. Yeah, but absolutely, the conversation is very different over there in terms of. It's more sort of integrated into the way that the thinking of everything is. A sort of design is just part of the way things are done. And I think it's an important lesson to share. I think it's really, you know, that culture of design is a very powerful tool to to grow and to share in the way that we do businesses. So when you're working in uh, San Francisco, what do you see the difference in terms of how is... Your approach perceived because San Francisco is a very different space. It's sort of, you know, it's a microcosm of its own. And sometimes people are moving a little too fast to really think about those simplistic mm-hmm. elements of design that mean the most.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great point and good observation, obviously. So I've, I've lived and worked in New York for many years, also in, in other parts of the world as well. So I like how you're pointing out maybe that. In terms of creativity, innovation, and forward movement, that this is a microcosm that brings many aspects of many cultures from many places in the world together. But there's also focus on learning. Things quickly in order to build businesses and that maybe there's a shared responsibility for doing that and and then moving fast and breaking things as as part of the culture that's appreciated. So and, and as someone who associates myself with the the value of things being created, right, of of making things also, whether that's bringing around a, a change in culture in an organization or launching products and, and that there's a close connection between the two and how we do it. I do see that there's a challenge in having a Meaningful conversation about the responsibility that we take as designers in an environment that is so moving so quickly and that appreciates prototyping and launching to learn so much at a time where the effects of the choices that we make in the businesses we design and the solutions that we create are ever expanding, right? So, and, and that's really the reason why started the podcast Designing for Humanity, it was to explore that topic along with the potential new need for a design framework that describes better the, the time we find ourselves in and the needs that designers and the makers of new organizations and new products actually have a, have a need for in order to, I think, bridge the gap between intention and
1: outcome. And I love that point that you bring up the difference between intention and outcome. And I work a lot with my clients thinking about sort of how you create things that support the human condition and support our ability to be more human rather than creating things that replace the human experience. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that is really recognizing the difference between intention and outcome. So I think that that's a really important point. Thank you for sharing that. You're a frequent speaker for international design communities. What do you find is the is the conversation that people feel it, you know really draws them the most right now? Because I, I know a lot of people like mm-hmm. you and I that are in this space. We get that. Oh, that's a really important topic. But what is it you think that really is the piece that you know that makes the biggest mm-hmm. difference and that makes that attracts mm-hmm. them to what you're doing?
2: Mm-hmm. That's that's a great question. Thank you for that. I, I find everywhere the need for, you know, or, or the questions I often get is, well, what does it mean to me? And what can I do in my work on a daily basis in my practice, whether I'm a freelancer, someone who has my own business, or if I'm part of a big team as a designer in a design role, whether I'm just coming into the business or whether I'm a leader or regardless really of the context, what are the things that I can think about? What are the steps that I can take to have a conversation about design and responsibility and what it means to, to design more human solutions or uh, than, than not? And I think it's really important to be precise and to learn from each other's examples at the same time as we're considering new frameworks and, and asking really big questions. And so I like to ponder the questions and I like to have the conversation and I like to have the open dialogue and really learn from everyone around me. And I'm always met with it. Well, that's great, but what can I do? And so I try to to also bridge that gap and the first thing that we can do is, is see clearly the situation that we're in and and then make choices based on that.
1: Yeah. And I think you brought out a great point where people always ask me sort of like, what are those first steps? Give me a few mm-hmm. of sort of your favorite tips to give, whether it's just individuals or leaders that, that sort of some of those quick takeaways, what are some action items they can do right away?
2: Yeah. And I think this is then one example is to think about, well, who's in the room and who's making decisions with you or for you and see that with with awareness. And so if you're founding a company, and I think that's obviously relevant in San Francisco in a conversation we have a lot, then think about who you're founding it with, right? Are they representative of the intentions that you have for the culture and the product that you want to make? And if they're not, what voices would you need to add and how would you do that? And I think we can ask that same question as we're putting teams together, if we're solving problems on behalf of others, who's on your team, who's not on your team, and if they're not, are there voices that are not represented that we would need in order to solve, solve the task that we have at hand in the way that we want to do it. And if you're an, an individual contributor, again, like it has less to do with design, although designers also find themselves in, in the situation a lot is, well, if you know, if I find myself as a single contributor in, in a larger context, then then what can I do to make sure that my work is informed by different perspectives that may or may not exist. Within the team, right? So, how do I, as an individual, also seek that nuanced point of view and ask myself the questions that I want to ask? That is, I, I think that's like a good. That's always useful, you know, and it always leads to somewhat surprising answers because we, the things that make us really good at what we do, which is partly uh, taking the experience that we have that we've gathered and using that to to make our next decisions are also represent the bias with which and very often unconscious with which we make these decisions. So, so really questioning at the onset is super, is a very powerful thing to be able to do.
1: Absolutely. And such a key topic today, because we're, we're dealing with so many more diversity issues. And yeah. I, I, I guess issues is the wrong, I, I think it's really more a diversity conversation. It's finally coming to the forefront where mm-hmm. it's not a taboo topic. But it's something that's got to get out there, just like the Me Too conversation. Mm-hmm. It's all got to mm-hmm. get out there. Of what are we trying to achieve? What you know, and who yeah. needs to be part of the conversation? So right,
2: yeah. Thank you. For, exactly, and that's for why I like, that. like to I like to use the word humanity in that it encompasses all of us and maybe the best in us, the aspiration, and we we say often or I hear often, I'm sure you do too, that, that, our, that anyone could be our customer, right? Or that anyone and um, everyone could be in touch with the things that we're making. And if that's true, then what's the responsibility to understand everyone's needs and the implications when we're not designing with everyone in mind, right? So they go hand in hand, but, but without paying attention, it's not possible to have the conversation.
1: Absolutely, and I think that sort of leads nicely into where I've been trying to direct some of the conversation recently to really to take away the taboo of ethics that it's not just a legal topic, but mm. it's really thinking about acting responsibly and and having conversations responsibly in a way that can have positive outcomes and designing right. things you know in the same way, not just the conversations but the the products and
2: services so right yeah no, i I think that's really important. Thank you for that that it doesn't it doesn't stop with a conversation. You actually have to take action and base your actions, not you i and and that uh, we do uh, when we band together and <laughs> and make things together, basically, for what it is that we're making and how our intentions will manifest in design and And I think that's another part of a I think that's another topic uh, when you're asking me, what am I hearing? And and what what do people want to talk about when it comes to design right now is to find a way where we can be deeply engaged personally in the work that we do, but also have a framework that lets us see clearly the world around us and the responsibility. So I think as a profession, we're very good at projectizing our experiences right I mean in and I, I don't know you even sometimes see in formal design process you see that empathizing is a phase in a project right or like <laughs> so, go empathize and then when you're done with that you know you need to move on <laughs> to, to something else which is you know eventually prototyping and launching a product and and I think it's a it's a way of seeing and need to understand what's in front of you and the problem that you're going to solve, but it's also a way of removing the understanding and the responsibility of understanding from ourselves by by being able to give it a, a number in a, in a process, right? the idea of empathy or compassion, maybe even. And it also so allows true. us to like, gather our notes in a shared document and move on, perhaps. And so I agree with you. I would like us to keep exploring with all the discomfort that that comes with, where we find ourselves and where we find a good framework to have these conversations and to act on them and design.
1: Well, absolutely. And it's the whole system's perspective that I think we're getting closer there. We're starting to recognize that it's something much bigger than ourselves. And, and hmm. you know, it, it starts with sort of the conversations about globalization and the yeah. bigger topics like sustainability and all of that. But really, it, it comes down to just being good humans, and treating Mm -hmm. each other with kindness, and, Mm -hmm. and recognizing that it's not just part of the process, it is part of being, and just being present and being kind. And I think it it sounds so simple. And yet it's really hard to put into action, particularly in organizations that are just like, what's the process?
2: (laughs) I I think I think that's, that's right. And it's one thing that I really value about the work that, that I'm able to engage with in my current role is the focus on listening and, and deeply listening in order to find a way that perhaps distinguishes the mode of doing and solving is to to really focus on, on listening and finding what's true for individuals and for groups of people and organizations in, in order to use that, that energy and that grounding to move forward. So it's more of a being than a doing thing oftentimes. Mm -hmm. And again, that sounds kind of simplistic. And I find that it's very true and very needed. Also. Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: We're preaching to the choir here on that one. <laughs> but it is, it, it is so critical in today's world when we, especially, I think, what I've felt in being in, in the Bay Area, there's such a culture of, of sort of being busy and that busy is mm. good rather than getting things done and taking time to mm. be present, get things done, mm-hmm. and then go just mm-hmm. be with your family and your friends, but mm-hmm. being in each of mm-hmm. your different modes rather than just being mm-hmm. busy, mm-hmm. and uh, I think we do that in, in organizations too. It's sort of oh, mm-hmm. you've got to put in the hours rather mm. than getting things done right. right.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a constant, but maybe more, maybe more now than ever. And I even I even see it in my field of bringing strategy and design with the broad meaning of both of those together is that that just as we just talked about the work is very much about listening to individuals and the world around you but also creating the conditions for trust and ideas and then action to emerge which is much more about paying attention and being Mm -hmm. present than than it is and checking off an assignment on on a list, obviously.
1: Yeah. Do you have any particular stories that stand out for you of clients that have really gotten it and embraced it and and done something spectacular, but seen like a big transition where there's this aha of, oh, Mm. we need to do things differently?
2: Well... I do see it a lot. I am very positive in that regard that I that I do believe it. The thing is you see it over time, right? Mm-hmm. Because a change from one mode of being or a transformation, be it personal or an organization, is something that happens over time. And I think what, what we tend to focus on are along with the strategies and the frameworks that al- would allow an organization to see and to organ- organize, orchestrate, if you will, the, the process of transformation. It, it also manifests in small behaviors, right? It's like, what is what is one behavior that we can see and change and commit to as a group of people, as an individual that, that then produces o- other change over time? I think that's something that I see quite a lot and that I also believe in.
1: Yeah. I think it's exciting. I mean, I always said that, you know, after I finished my, my doctorate, it was like, okay, I want to go back and, mm. and teach and not necessarily teach in schools. But that was one mm. thing that I was so excited to go back and do more the corporate training and whatnot, where because yep. it's watching that light bulb go on of transformation. Mm. And whether it's, you know, mm. you're, you're speaking and you see the audience all of a sudden mm-hmm. go, oh, I get it. You know, that to me is like, it's the greatest joy in the work that I do of when people really get it. And then, then, you know, they're going to go and just run with it and take it into their organization, take it into their design processes, design, you know, all of the different pieces. But until that light bulb goes on, it's just another part of the process, as you mentioned before. Right. So it's, Mm -hmm. I think it's sort of that transformation to a place of, like you were saying, listening, where they really mm-hmm. hear it, that it's not just sort of in one ear out the other, which, you know, we all tend to have our moments to do that, too. Yeah. Yes, that happens, yeah. too. So what are you working on right now? Do you have anything exciting happening in in your workspace mm-hmm. that's
2: different than... Hmm. You've got the podcast, um, of course. Yeah, yeah. And so we were actually, we are summarizing what we learned last year in order to create a series now of conversations and gatherings of um, people in the field to start to co-create, if you will, a, a new design framework, or at least to explore that in, in person. So so the podcast or the first season last year was really to ask the question and for me to learn and to, in, in areas where I have a feeling that there are parts of the answer and, and to make sure that I started just a general inquiry. I think now with that a base of information and maybe some beginnings of answers the next step is to to start ho- hosting conversations in person with design leaders around the world about this topic and I don't I don't think that it is the work of one academic institution or one company with one approach to design. I think it's the work of of a of a collective and mm. all over the world because design happens every day in every way and and everywhere in the world <laughs> absolutely to to start that that work and and um I think that's best done in person in smaller groups to begin with just like a one on one conversation has a very different nature than a talk to hundreds of people. Uh, so, so that's what I see as the next step. And I'm, I'm really excited about that to get more people involved with that conversation and in in conversation with each other and see what we can find out and what we can then put out there to share and to start to um, work with and, and experience.
1: It sounds great. It sounds like we need to do a world
2: cafe in San Francisco on it. Yeah. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good. Count oh, me in. That yeah. Okay. Fun.
1: Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that kind of thing. And and I agree so much with you in that the importance of bringing in different voices and bringing in different cultural perspectives and global perspectives, not just sort of the, you know, we each have these, uh, the microcultures within mm-hmm. our own cities, but there's yep. obviously the global perspective is so important because everything is yep. much more globalized, and if we really only focus in on our little microcosm
2: of San Francisco, we're missing a yep. very
1: big part of the picture. So
2: exactly, I, I'm glad exactly. to hear and I'm, you know, including I'm that. fortunate to have colleagues um, in many places of the world that, through them and through some of the work that that I'm doing in other places in the world now, certainly lets me know all the time. That it's absolutely necessary to bring the different perspectives and the different experiences together and in order to ask the right questions and Mm -hmm. and bring about the solutions that we need now that will serve us in solving for really greater and greater complexity and on behalf of everyone as well.
1: I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for doing that work, because I think it's really important. And the more people that are working on it, the more that conversation becomes just part of the vernacular. It's just what we exactly. do. And, and instead of it being, oh, this is a cool side conversation, it becomes, have you had that conversation
2: yet? You know, what, yeah. what are you guys doing exactly. about this? And, yeah, and, exactly. Exactly. That's, I would like that. That's great. Yes. <laughs>
1: We're working on it, we'll work at it, get yeah, no, exactly. I
2: mean, we're working on it right now, you yeah. know, I mean, it's it's we're choosing to spend our time right now talking about it and getting more clear in your questions is providing me with clarity. So I think that's the dedication to to the work and then sharing it with more people.
1: Absolutely. So I want to make sure that people can find your podcast and your work and what kinds of clients are you working with and and mm-hmm. how can people work with you if they're interested in being part of the group conversation, if they want to be part of the World Cafe or if they want to, you know, how how do people find you and, and work with you?
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's the podcast designing for humanity, obviously, and we can always be contacted through SY Partners. That's probably the the best part. We have a great team that connect us with people who are interested in the, in being part of of the conversation in the capacity of their profession or otherwise. So I, I would say that that's the that's the best best way to do it, and then through SY Partners also stay in touch and in tune to upcoming events and we'll definitely do one in the in San Francisco as well
1: and is that just sypartners.com Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Great. Just to yeah. make sure people can, I can direct yeah, yeah. people you. to the I right place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no problem. Mm-hmm. So before I let you go, I also want to dig mm-hmm. a little bit into you personally and what things mm-hmm. you do to support your own digital well being in this crazy growing phase of uh, everything becoming digitized. How do you keep yourself human and healthy?
2: Yeah. Well, if you ask my family, they might have a somewhat different view uh, that, yeah, I'm not as healthy in that regard as I probably should be. And my answer to that is maybe twofold, is that I, my work is inquiry-based. When I have a question, I just work to solve it. And it's the one thing that's on my mind, most of all, until I feel like I have an answer or I have a better question. So My work and my life in general is my process and is my Mm. process of inquiry. And it's, you know, I'm very fortunate to live that way, but it also means that I'm interested in lots of things all the time. (laughs) And whether that's a conversation with someone else in the world happening or WhatsApp, or it's a book that I feel will have some relation to a project that I'm working on in the future, but I might not know it now, I try to challenge myself all the time in terms of the type of information that i take in and usually have it be related to but by a feeling that i have not a direct correlation mm-hmm. and i think that that's you know that's the the process and that's how i manage and so i'm always reading about topics that are not directly related to whatever i'm working on right at mm-hmm. that moment and that actually provides me inspiration i am Out in the world a lot and I listen and I talk to a lot of people and that's really mostly how I do my work. And so when it comes time to manifest something, I do feel like I have a nuanced point of view that I can represent and that I can share and that at least have led me to some pretty good questions to to begin to answer with others. So there's definitely time for manifesting and that could be alone or small team time, but it's also really important for us to actively seek situations where we're going to be challenged in our assumptions and in our daily experience because that is the intention that then becomes an output right so Mm -hmm. that's my I think that's that's how how I manage to be to to be very active in seeking out different kinds of input and listening a lot to people I like that a lot which is why I like my podcast <laughs> also it affords me the I opportunity know. to listen to people it's such a such a luxury right it's it to have really is conversations.
1: i yeah. i love doing the podcast because where else mm-hmm. do you get the opportunity to have right? one-on-one conversation without distraction yeah for, you know with people that either i mean for some people i've reached out to old old contacts that said you know just mm-hmm. say hey i love what you're doing right now can i interview for the podcast mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. People are always. I've never had anyone say no. Everyone's right. always like, "Oh, sure, that sounds fun." Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah, exactly. great way to catch up yeah. and and share yes. other people's work with the <laughs> yeah. world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. So very good. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your work with us today. And definitely we need to connect in San Francisco. There's no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah, we'll, I look do, it. we'll do it. We'll do it for sure. to hearing more about what you're doing okay. firsthand. For now, I just want to honor you and thank you for the work that you're doing and for sharing with us today. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> And thank uh, you for having me. You're very welcome. And for you digital selfers out there listening today, thank you for joining us. And if you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes. We look forward to catching up with you next time. Bye bye for now. Want to catch me live? I'll be joining my podcast mentor, Michael Neely at Your Authority Blueprint live in two weeks and would love to have you join us. Michael has been generous enough to offer a $900 discount to my tribe. That's you, Digital Selfers. And if you're interested in joining, click on the link in the show notes for Your Authority Blueprint Live and use the code FRIEND so you get that nice discount. And just would love to have you all there. And if you can't make it, please check out his work anyway, michaelneely.com. He's got all kinds of great online programs there, both about podcasting and just building your authority around your expertise. Anyway, hope to see you next week. And if not, sometime soon.